Lord, set our hearts and our souls ablaze for you as we share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. There is at least one thing we all have in common this morning, and that is we all forget. Our brain allows us to do amazing things, yet with capacity of up to 100 billion neurons, we sometimes can't remember where we put our keys, where we left our phone, what we went upstairs for, what we had for lunch yesterday, not to talk about what happened over 100 years ago. Because we all forget, at this time every year, we are invited as a people and as a nation to pause for a moment, take time off our busy lives to remember, to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice in the two world wars and all the other wars to defend our way of life. Who are you personally remembering today? Perhaps a family member, a husband, a wife, a brother, a mother, a father, a son, a daughter, grandparent, or great-great-grandparent, whoever you are remembering today. Let's make today a remembrance of hope and victory for all they achieve. The INH name we remember today is a unique person with a unique story. In the 19th century, 100 years after the death of John Wesley, founder of Methodism, the Methodist Church launched the Million Guinea Fund. The fundraising appeal was to revive and to rekindle the flames of Methodism. Methodists were kindly asked to donate a guinea each, which is an equivalent of a week's wage today. The names of all those who gave were documented and recorded in a historic role which has been preserved. And in those records are also the names of children who gave 5P towards that project. Among the children who gave 5P was a boy by the name of Walter Tell. At the time, Walter lived in an orphanage in East London because his parents, who were immigrants from Barbados, died when he was a young boy. Walter went on to play professional football and in 1914, when the First World War broke out, he joined the army. He was among the troops fighting to defend our way of life. In that war, at age 29, Walter was shot and killed. I bring Walter's story today because he did not just die defending the element of freedom we enjoy today. He also contributed to the building of this magnificent building, the Methodist Central Hall here at Westminster, from which this service has been broadcast around the world. By extension, Walter also contributed to all the other churches that were built using the Million Guinea Fund. Walter is just one of the many lives we pause today to remember. He gave to us the building of God's church. He gave his life for the liberty we enjoy today, albeit for the time being we are restricted because of COVID-19. But imagine life under a dictator, life with no rule of law, life without freedom of speech, freedom of religion, association, movement and travel, for all those things that we enjoy today, Walter and all those we are remembering today, they paid the price. For this, we are indebted to them. They are the generation of selfless givers who gave everything to defend our freedom. Their courage and sacrifice never cease to amaze us. Our responsibility is to keep their memory alive, uphold the value for which they fought and some of them died, and to share their story 
So we will never forget the service and the sacrifices of the soldiers, the sailors, the air crews, the professionals and volunteers who exchange your lives of comfort to save humanity. Today is a gentle reminder to remember the doctors and the nurses who cared for the wounded, the parents who watched their children go off to war and receive news and letters from them of how tough it was in the battlefield. Today is a gentle reminder to remember the children who were too young to understand why their moms and their dads won't be home for Christmas. The families who had to be evacuated from their homes for safety. Today is a gentle reminder to remember the men and women of all the wars who wore helmets and uniforms found scattered in battlefields and washed up in riverbeds because the sons and daughters, fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters who were wearing them had perished because they gave everything as a people, as a nation. May we never forget this. From time to time in the wilderness, the people of Israel forgot the miraculous things God had done for them. Under pressure, they complained and grumbled against Moses and against God. And so after the miraculous crossing of the Jordan River, for them not to forget this, God instructed Joshua to organize the people to build a stone of memorial to keep their memories alive. In our Old Testament passage, read beautifully for us this morning, we saw how the people were invited to choose 12 men from among them, one from each of the tribe of Israel, to go back into the middle of the Jordan River, the exact spot where the priests stood with the Ark of the Covenant. They were to go there, pick up a stone from there, lay it on their shoulders, bring it out, lay it on top of each other, so that the stone was side of the memorial. They were to do this for three reasons, according to uh, the passage in the Old Testament. Number one, that the stones will be a sign among them. Number two, that the stones will stand as a gentle reminder of God's mercy and hope and deliverance. And number three, that the stones will create an opportunity for them to share their story. We read earlier in verse 6 and verse 7 of Joshua chapter 4, and I quote, In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Today, in our cities and in our towns, we have also followed this example. We have erected monuments and symbols to be a sign among us, to serve as a gentle reminder of how God has been our help in the past, how he is our help now, and he will be our help in the days to come. Also, we are there as a gentle reminder to remember to tell their story, which is now our story. The story of how the humble puppy became a symbol of remembrance, sacrifice, and hope made popular by the Canadian soldier and poet John McCrea in his poem in Flanders Field. McCrea was inspired to write this poem after the death of his close friend, Alexis Alma. His poem described the tragedy of the soldier's death, as well as the natural beauty that surrounded their graves in Flanders Field. Flanders Field, a field of decay and death, poppies in their bright red and green colors, grow and flourish as though the dead were saying, 
that in life or in death, the freedom dream was still alive. The puppies have become a sign among us to remind us and to prompt us to tell this wonderful story of hope. Like the puppy, the cenotaphs in our cities and in our times, and another sign among us to remind us, to prompt us to share the story of those we are remembering today. The word cenotaph is a great word for empty tomb. As Christians, we have a beautiful reality of an empty tomb, a wonderful reality of an empty tomb. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he was buried in a tomb. Early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb and they were told, he is not here. The tomb is empty. So the empty tombs and the other cenotaphs in our cities and towns are a powerful reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life, who has overcome death. In the days of the Apostle Paul, there were some misconceptions about death. In ancient Greece and Rome, they perceived death as the most powerful enemy. They saw no hope beyond the grave. And this ideology was causing serious problems for the young church in Corinth. So to help the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul wrote these words and laid out the program of the believer's resurrection. He closed the chapter with a note of victory over death for all who are in Christ Jesus. In verse 54 and verse 55 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he wrote these words. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where, oh, death, is your sting? You see, there can be no sting in death when a person is in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus has taken away the sting in death. He has ripped it powerless when he died and he rose again on the third day. There can be no victory in the grave. For Christ will one day onto the graves and bring out forth all his people in resurrection power. This is the hope we are gently reminded to remember on this Remembrance Sunday. As we remember those who fought for our freedom, we also remember he who died on the cross to set us free and has promised us eternal life. His cross around our necks, in our homes, in our churches, is a reminder and a symbol of the ultimate sacrifice a symbol of our salvation, a symbol of the victory we have over sin and death. So brothers and sisters, let not your hearts be troubled. I invite you to believe in Jesus. I invite you to continue to believe in Christ who will bring to life eternal all those we are invited to remember today. Finally, this year COVID-19 has changed our lives the lives of veterans and servicemen and women. This year, the armed forces have been called again upon to work in the front line, to fight a very different kind of fight, the fight against COVID-19. In this difficult time, we are also being called upon to come together, to work together, to support each other, to look out for each other, to demonstrate that same community spirit that was shown in previous times of difficulty, knowing that the God that was with those we remember today, that same God is with us today. 
And when that God is on our side, we shall overcome COVID-19 and the issues that threaten our modern civilization and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.